in for a treat. Would you give Scott a big hand as he comes this morning? Oh, you, you set it up. You made it, you made it big, so I'm really glad that I have actually notes because every time I come here and I look out, I just go blank. And, I, you know, you think you have it all ready and I got something to say. And my family knows me. I always got something to say. But really with the stuff that's been going on, you do have things to say and you have opinions on what it is and you don't really want to make them too loud or why won't anybody listen or why is anybody thinking of this, right? But all the stuff that goes on, right now what I want to deal with is how, how to deal with it, okay? And for this message, this is for Christians only, okay? Let that sound exclusive. It's not because everybody here is either a Christian or going to get the chance to be a Christian. No. No, okay. Kids, be released, please. Release the kids. So, anyway, I don't feel when somebody says it's for Christians only, it's not exclusive. It's saying that that's a, a power that God gives, and he gives it to his people, right? And every person can be his people, so it's not, it's not exclusive. It's very inclusive. So, in the waiting, that's the name of the message, in the waiting. And the waiting's referring to the promise of adoption, the finish of it, the re redemption of our bodies at the coming to Christ, and that's what we're looking for. We're in the waiting of that if you're a Christian. Let's start with the truth that is nothing new. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, that which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it can be said, see, this is new. It has already been in ancient times before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor, the, nor will there be any remembrance of things in past, things that are to come by those who will come after. In other words, I don't know if I said exactly right, but the whole gist is we're living now. The things that we find so incredibly crippling and everything have happened in the past. People got over it. It's going to happen again. We're not going to remember. They're not going to remember. It's all been done before. That can be a comfort, and we'll show you how a little bit. The things we experience, although highly personal and very painful, are being played out in many other lives, in many other ways, in every part of the world. It might help your situation a touch just to know that you're not alone, that what you're feeling, and you feel like you're sitting there alone, that it's all you, whether it's divorce, whether it's death, whether it's coronavirus. This, the coronavirus is a really good one, not the, not the virus, the, the example. It's a really good one because it affects everybody differently. It's affected me not at all, really. I take a lot of temperatures at work. I haven't missed a paycheck. Um, I don't really know anybody that's had it. And there's other people that families have died. They've missed their relatives because they haven't seen them die. They've been bankrupt by it. Other people are getting rich off it. A virus is just a virus. What it happens to us is, is not the people that earn it, the people that deserve it, the good people, the bad people, it's just a virus. We need to know that. Um, in our world right now, we have events happening that are freaking everybody out, and none of them are firsts, none of them are new. That means that they've all ended, and now we're, we are after them. So just keep that in mind when it's all over the, you know, the end of the world, the Bible says it's not going to come sneaking up on you. Maybe on you personally when it's coming, but everybody will know when it's here. Okay? 
We've had virus outbreaks before, and some were way worse. Um, there's a whole town I saw on TV with a building still standing constructed hundreds of years ago outside of a normal city, and they were built for specific, the specific reason of the citizens were put there when they got sick. Okay, and it was outside the town, and of all the people that ever went there, only one was recorded to ever have come back to the town well. That, that's amazing. Family members put food out for a loved one in a specified location, and when the food stopped getting picked up, they reckon that their loved one died. They couldn't go check on them. People are dying and being lost without the loved ones there. And I kind of said in the first, one, the first service, I do believe I'd go to jail if somebody I loved that dearly was dying and they wouldn't let me go in there. I'd have to say bye and then go to jail for a while. <laughs> right? Maybe even quarantine for 14 days in jail. I'm not sure. Okay, that's when we've had racial divides like we're having now. We were reading some stuff out there. We've had them before. And truthfully, I don't think we've ever stopped having them. It was outrageous watching the footage of George Floyd being treated and ultimately killed in a way that made no sense to any of us. But racism is a sin that is based in pride, and therefore it's impossible to kill while our human nature reigns. There's going to be people that think they're better than others. It's just, it's sin, just another form. So we're not going to get rid of it. We've got to learn how to deal with it. And now here we are, and here I am right now, because our friend and pastor and his whole family is living out one of these events. The possible sudden loss of a loved one is absolutely nothing new, but remains absolutely one of the, per- the worst feelings you can have. This is a lot of stuff at one time. Just a lot of stuff. I- I'm honored to be here, but I'm be here because pastor's going through some horrible stuff. And his family's going through some horrible stuff, right? So... I want to make it as entertaining. I, want to, I have a message, but the message is I'm here because my pastor's going through some stuff, and we need to go through it with him, and we are. I know. I, I mean, he, we love him. Um, the, worldwide, or the, the worldwide stay-at-home orders aren't helping, and they've given us way too much time to think about all the stuff that's happening. Without open churches, without watching or playing sports, softball, without the distractions of our normal busy lives, the coverage on TV will terrify anybody that's not getting their information from anywhere else, right? Depending on what channel you watch, it's the end of the world or it's a common cold, right? Depending on which one you watch, it's man-made, it's an accident. I don't know how we can get on TV and spew such things as facts when they're just opinions. But there is another source of pertinent data for us. That doesn't change. Matthew 24, 6 says that we will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. These things must happen, but the end will still come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And I'm going to easily insert race against race here, and I'm not getting out of line with what Jesus is trying to purvey here. There will be famines and earthquakes and viruses in various places. All these things are the beginning of the birth pains. And I've paraphrased a little, but I don't think I've taken anything out of context. So let's jump to Romans 8 and continue this idea that we know that the whole creation has been groaning together the pains of childbirth until this present time. Not only that, but we ourselves, our Christians, are the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons and the redemption of our body. That's a... That's a crazy sentence. Let's go back for a second. Consider why we wait eagerly. Why are we waiting eagerly? Well, 
Okay, we wait because we have to. God said it's his timing. Wait, you wait. I mean, so I want it to happen today, truthfully, because if I would rather the earth end, and I don't want to go by myself because I love all my family, and I guess if you really knew, you probably would, but I would choose today to be the day that everybody goes if I had my choice. But we wait because God says wait. We wait eagerly because who doesn't want to be adopted by God and be given a redeemed body? Show of hands, who doesn't want that? Okay, I don't have to talk to anybody after. But I think it also says we groan inwardly while we're waiting eagerly. And we groan inwardly because in the waiting, we know there's going to be more pain, more loss as we're waiting for Jesus to come. More pain, more loss. It's not a respecter of person. It's not. And we know that God works all things together. Again, here. I didn't get with John when he played that, all things come together. And this is, this is my, my scripture. Jesus does that kind of stuff to help me along. And we know that all things work together for, for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. That's a hard teaching to someone going through the devastation of losing somebody or any other personal tragedy, especially if they've never heard it before. Right? This is the teaching that you have to know before you lose somebody that it's going to work together at the end, right? It's hard to teach somebody that while you're going through the devastation. You need to know why. Why did God buy Gaga? You know, we've all got our questions, and why me? I believe it to be true. All things work together. I believe it to be true, but would never try to use it on a person knee-deep in the, one of these events. In fact, to confidently look at Pastor Stan or Chris today in the eye during their crisis and let them know it's going to be okay, it'll work out for good, is impossible for me. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. It's going to turn out good. I don't know how. So we need God involved in these things if we're going to heal from these events without serious scarring. Right? And that's the, we're going to be hurt, but are you going to be scarred? I mean, there's stuff in my life, and this is not a testimony, it's current events but I'm so scarred by stuff that I never thought was. Just silly stuff. And you come back and it makes you who you are. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Right? That we've used that so many times. And when you're talking about salvation, if God is for you, who can be against you? Nobody. He saves. But we're not talking about salvation. You're already Christians. So who can be against us? Today for that scripture, I have another thought. Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. Then Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, roaring like a roaring lion, walks around seeking who he may devour. So who can be against me? Well, the Bible says Satan, right? I just read it. And every person who is not with Jesus can scatter what we're trying to gather, whether it be your family, your life, you know, whatever you're trying to get back together can be scattered if it's not in this faith. The battle is ultimately won by Jesus spiritually, but there still might be a high price personally to be paid physically in the waiting. That's why it's inwardly groaning, eagerly waiting, because when it's over, we're there. And this next scripture I'm going to read, consider when I say because of my name to be for living as Christians. Because when we do something because of his name, we're, we're living as Christians because of his name. And it makes it a little bit more pertinent for us this day. Then they will deliver you over to be persecuted and killed, and you will be hated by all nations.
because of my name, for being a Christian. And at that time, many will fall and will betray and they hate, of an, and they, and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Because of the multiplication of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who perseveres to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony. Not others, that one. And the end will come. It's, I'm not sure how to unpack all that. Because we're really not required to. But that is what's coming. That, that's what we got to know. So we have the blueprint. We kind of know it's coming. Don't sound like it's going to be easy. Even for Christians. And I'm only talking to Christians. So I know it's not going to be easy for somebody without any hope. I just know that. I, I, but for me, you're going to see heaven on it. It doesn't make it any easier right now. But it gives you the hope. And that's what we're trying to talk about today. So it doesn't sound easy. It doesn't sound like it's going to be easy at all. But it's doable. And since I'm the one up here, I get to tell you what I believe is the way to be successful spiritually in this world. And that's really what we're talking about here. I don't have any financial advice for you. You really don't want it from me. And I have nothing of this world for you because I have not done it very well. I'm doing all right now. I have not done it very well. But here I am now to say thank you to God. We are spiritually successful when we are found getting through it with our faith in Jesus intact. Not blaming him or us. God, what have I done? I've done this. I've done that. We have to have that faith in Jesus intact. That in this world you will have trouble. Doesn't change who he is. Doesn't change who you are. It's just a fact. You're going to have trouble. There isn't anyone. Oh, wait. Yes, you want to get Jesus intact. You may never get over it. Not getting over it. Getting through it with the mandatory questions and the doubts that come with this kind of pain. But we take him to the feet of Jesus where the answers are. Not away from Jesus to think about him ourselves. We know where we've always gone. When we get blindsided, we got to go back to that same source because the answers are still there. And he's already told us, you're going to have trouble. Oh, that's what's happening? Yeah, that's what's happening. So he's just letting you know that. There isn't anyone of truth that's going to get up here and tell you how to avoid ever being hated or hurt for your beliefs or color. Nobody's going to tell you how to ever avoid or how to live life without ever experiencing heart-crushing loss. Nobody's going to tell you how to avoid having to live through it with others like we're doing now. I mean, I'm here because it's happening. I'd be right there saying, amen, to Stan. If he wasn't going through this devastating thing and his family and everybody and us with him. Some, some may even not be able to avoid being the cause of some of these events. Prisons and streets are full of perpetrators and victims, and not all of them have a label, right? They're just out there. For the older people here, as Blair, Tootie, and Joe would tell you, these are the facts of life. <laughs> Another fact of life, sin happens, and everybody's affected. Bad things happen to good people. Cannot be correct, because the two thoughts themselves are not correct. The Bible says in Romans 3, Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So the true saint should simply be bad things happen to people. Not good, not bad. Bad things happen to people. It's so less judgy when I say it that way, and it's so much more inclusive. So now bad people can happen to more people. You know, and that's the truth of it, though. 
your actions, your prayer life. It could save you from things. Don't get me wrong. You're shipwrecked. You pray your thing off. (laughs) But it's not always, it's not a guarantee of protection. It's a guarantee that God is in it and you'll be okay in the end. That's what it's a guarantee. I may say, why me, God? Why me? But if there's even a question, it's why not me? Jesus himself suffered greatly because of sin and none of it was his own. So who am I to be offended by that? We are no longer a slave to sin as we hope for heaven. But make no mistake, in the waiting, we can still be made a victim of it daily. Wow. I was pretty heavy, I know. (laughs) Mostly a bummer, right? But that was to point out God's direction in all this area. And I have good news for you. The direction is as easy as shampooing your hair. Okay? Who knows the three steps to effectively washing your hair? Somebody name them real quick. Lather, rinse, repeat as needed. Okay? In the old days, it was lather, rinse, repeat. I remember those things, and according to that, you should never stop washing your hair. Just go and go and go. And that's basically, remember that, because that's what we should be doing right here. But I'm going to take repeat as needed. Okay, say it with me. Step one, step two, repeat as needed. Step one, step two, repeat as needed. That's what we need going forward to deal with any issue you have. Let's look at the steps in their biblical form. Step one is 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And then a bonus, that he may exalt you in due time. Step two, 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your cares upon him. Bonus, because he cares for you. And repeat as necessary. For identification purposes, if we're talking going forward, this is known as the spiritual comeback. I'll explain what I mean by comeback in a minute, but the biggest problem with this directions is that there is room for human interpretation, and I wish there wasn't, because that's where I always mess up. God can do 90% of it, which he does in a lot of things, and wants you to do the 10%, and it crashes and it burns, because he needed to do 95 he obviously didn't know he was dealing with, but he did know, and he's, it's going to be okay at the end. He's, he, he, you're going to mess up. He knows it. He's going to prove it in here. Step one, step two, repeat. All sound pretty clear until you get to the as-needed part. Then my pride kicks in, or my guilt kicks in, because I've already asked God three times about this. He's going to be mad for the fourth time. We talked about Russell having a really strict dad. I didn't know my dad, so... I could have asked till the cows came home, right? He asked two times, might get slapped up. You've already asked me that once, boy, right? That's how we take God. How is God to you? But God, God wants you to step one, step two, repeat as needed, every time needed. I don't always cast my cares upon him. I kind of keep them like pets. Petting the dog. I don't have any pets at home, but I got a bunch of these. So you got to get rid of them. You've got to give them to him. As far back as the Israelites, we have never relied on God as much as we should. That's, I mean, let's just read the Bible. Come to me, come to me and see if I won't bless you. It's pathetic, but it's from us. When you got God begging you, you got an issue. I got an issue. He's begged us to come to him. See if I won't do what I say. In Exodus 16, God answers complaints from the people with blessings. He gives a manna from heaven but in a very specific way. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather in according to each one's need. One omer for each person. 
Anybody got an omer I can borrow? No, I'm just kidding. According to the number of persons, let every man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it to the omer, he who gathered much had none left over. And he who gathered a little didn't lack anything. Every man had gathered according to each one need. And Moses said, let no one leave be any of it till the morning. Eat it. God gave it to you. Finish it. He's coming back. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. Are we surprised? Who's surprised? Show hands. I mean, we did not heed Moses. But some of them left some in the morning. They just weren't sure God was going to be back in time. Might be a little hungry in the morning. But it bred worms and it stank. And Moses got mad at them. So they gathered every morning, every man according to his need. And that is the spiritual comeback. To go for God to what you need daily and personally. Don't let Stan pray for the church. He does. And then you take it personal. Lord, we pray for the church too, but now let me give you a couple things I got that I need. And most of it, I'm not talking about personal. I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking about physical. I'm talking about spiritual. We're talking about help with understanding the pandemic, understanding the loss, you've, you know, whatever's in your life. God could have sustained Israel in a much more effective way than having them go shopping six out of seven days in the week. Every day, God goes to the store just to get something to eat. But God wanted to teach them that to come back to him for their substance is what they needed to do. Not to complain, not to worry, just trust in him. And man, he knows us because he made him do it every day. He could have done it for a week, right? Okay, if that's good for a week. Because the stuff that they kept on Saturday was good for two days without stinking. And everything else went bad after one day. That's the comeback. So in the next chapter of the Bible, the same lesson is taught again, even more. Throughout Leviticus, we read God's demand for continued atonement for your sin. A required, repeated comeback. A sin offering was a sacrifice made according to Mosaic law, which provided atonement for sin, which is more of a covering. We know Jesus paid for our sin. Well, he paid for all sin, not New Testament sin. He paid for all. This was covered waiting for a savior. We get that? that we're, they're atoning. They're covering it till Jesus could come and pay for it. The, the Hebrew phrase sin offering literally meant fault offering. It was made for sins committed to ignorance, unintentional, the ritual method of sin offering and the animal to be offered varied upon the status of the sinner. So if you were poor, you gave a turtle dove. If you were big, you gave Mercedes, you know, whatever you were going to give to, you know. Well, you're a mechanic. So yeah, he wanted the Mercedes. Once again, we see the spiritual comeback is in effect. Old Testament law requires repeat offender, repeat offerings. We're all repeat offenders, so don't worry about that. Old Testament law requires repeated offerings to be made for the repeat offender. As needed. And what do we need? He already told us daily, probably minutely. Am I, am I talking about myself? No, I don't know. Minutely. But let, before we go any further, because I'm talking about the comeback, the spiritual comeback, this one died, right? This is the atonement for sin. Praise the Lord that sin offerings are no longer required because we have been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or, blemish or defect, 1 Peter 1.19. So we're going to put the heaven issue away. Because we're Christians, like I said, and we don't have any more sin offerings, but the spiritual comeback is still needed for victory. We're not talking about heaven issues. We're talking about victory in the waiting. Victory here when something as atrocious as what's happening to Pastor Stan right now happens. How do you deal with that? How does he, I, I put myself in his shoes. I mean, Stan's a good guy to me, right? I, Lord, haven't I done what you told me? You know, it's easy to do that kind of stuff. Look at my brother here. I'm glad I'm not like him. 
And yet, he hasn't lost anybody. Right? It's, it's not what it's about. It's not what it's about at all. Okay, so we're looking for the comeback, not victory, or not heaven, the victory comeback. The godly principle of comeback has been perverted by the world for use on way less noble endeavors and successfully. The two best examples I can think of are illegal and illegal drug trades. Very rarely, if at all, does a pharmaceutical company develop a cure for anything. The medicines approved are almost always put out to assist us in living with a condition, living with diabetes, living with cancer, living with a headache or the common cold. No cures, just temporary relief. As long as you continue the comeback. Take two and call me in the morning means he doesn't want, you to give you, he doesn't want to give you four without a comeback visit. And of course, that's the same procedure for illicit drugs as well. No such thing as taking something, smoking something, vaping something, and keeping the feeling forever. you got to establish that comeback if you want your feelings to continue. Now, how do we get this very effective principle? If you don't think it's effective, most of the richest people are drug, are drug, drug dealers. So how do we get this very effective comeback thing back in our spiritual lives? And we've already said it. Step one, step two, and repeat is needed. Now we're going to break it down, how, what we do. The steps, step one, 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves. To humble yourself under God is to acknowledge God as God and to voluntarily place yourself under his control. That's tough, man. We were talking about it before. It's tough because you don't know God. We really don't know God. I never knew a dad. So when I prayed, you know, when I went to daddy, nothing, you know, nothing happened. Russell got slapped down. Everybody has different, even if you've got a loving father, you have different things. So what do you picture God as? That's, how can you humble yourself to something that's so tough as his dad or so absent as mine? Picture this, if you will. It's an easy thing to humble yourself if you have the right picture of God. Okay, let's go back. We are three disciples talking with Jesus, and the time is the Last Supper. So now there's 15 disciples, right? We're just cleaning up. We're just, you know. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one to another. Lord, where are you going? Simon Peter. What, what, Simon Peter's over here. Where are you going? Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow me later. Lord, said Peter, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus said, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you would deny me three times. And man, <laughs> we were like, dude, got him. Front street right here. And we were getting ready to talk about it. And then he said, right at him. But do not let your hearts be troubled. That's the next words out of this guy's mouth, right? You're going to deny me three times, but let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place, I'm going to come back and welcome you into my presence so that you will be where I am. You know the way to the place I'm going. Lord, Thomas, we don't know where you're going. And we don't, know how, we don't know the way. Jesus answered, I am the way. And again, these are my inflections. I think he's pretty tired of answering these same questions. It's almost the last day. But he didn't do this. Believe me. That's why the picture of God as we go is one that's just patient answering the questions. He's not, you don't hear any harumps here. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would know my Father. Get this, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. You know him and have seen him. 
Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. <laughs> you know I'm going to have seen him. Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus said, Philip, I've been with you all this time, and you still don't know me? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How could you say, show me the Father? And again, that's my interpretation, because we're impatient, man. I'm tired of telling you three times. Jesus will tell you 70 times seven. Right? He'll tell you, he'll endless it until he comes. Says the work of Christ is not done until he returns. And you, he may be telling you the same thing over and over and over. You're going to listen someday. I'm going to listen someday. But we're trying to get the picture. Is that the picture you have of him, of Jesus, of this God that I'm asking you to humble yourself to? Jesus who takes away, the, who, I mean, Jesus who takes the time to reassure you and calm your heart while knowing you're going to repeatedly chicken out about even knowing him. You haven't even done it yet. And he's already calmed you down. And he's accepted you and he's, he's making, he's worried about how you feel about it. So he didn't say you're going to do this and watch. Just watch if you don't. Don't let your heart be troubled. You're going to do it, right? But I still got a place for you. That's where you, can you get that eye? Jesus who takes the time again and again to explain to you the way. And it's always the same. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other formula, man. It's not dropping that habit you have. It's not being nicer to your wife. Those are results, right? You're serving God, you're going to be nicer to your wife. You're serving God, you're going to try to love people more. It might take a long time. I don't know what it's going to take you, but those are not proof of anything. They're just indications you might be trying to be God or be like God, be forgiven. It's set up here that if it's not beautiful, he ain't done yet. He ain't done yet. <laughs> we get that. <laughs> we get that. And that's okay with me. That's okay with me because when he is done, I'm going to look pretty good. Um, okay. Second, step two. Oh, no. Last one. Jesus and the Father. Because he already, we were trying to get that picture of Christ. He forgives you before he needed to be forgiven. And then later on when Peter did do it and was down, he came back again and reaffirmed him again. That's the God that you have to picture here. Jesus and the Father are one. And he, they, is, are not offended that I don't get that. Right? There's a triune God. I don't know if it's us or them or we or them. In this world, there's identity crisis sometimes. And people are saying they identify as us and them. No, God is three. But God is one. We don't, we don't have that. We can't be them and us. and that, That's a God thing. And I said he, they, is, are, because I don't understand it, but I accept it fully. That's the God that I don't mind humbling myself. If that's your picture of God, I think humbling yourself under that man, that God, that Jesus, would be very easy. Not the one we're picturing usually. Step two, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Here finally is the comeback. In the Old Testament, the comeback was a have to do in order to get sustenance for your atonement. That's done. We have heaven. Now, step two is a get to, taking whatever event, condition, issue, issue causing you distress, and casting it all upon the Lord. Coronavirus. Let's just say it stands conditioned right now. His brother, the whole family out there is under the guise of Lord. It's under his control. We're just along for the ride. How do we deal with that ride? How do we react? We cast it all upon him. Doesn't mean that it goes away. Doesn't. Doesn't mean that it ends. Don't. It means that you invited Jesus, the one and only God described above, into your issue. And now he may move. No, he will move. But you may notice. 
It may be down the line. Something's happening, and that's all things happen for good to them that love the Lord. And repeat as necessary. That's, I can't say it so many times that it's easy to repeat when you get hit by a car. Nobody's there. Lord, let me, you know. But we're talking about daily. We're talking about in these things when, when you have lost a family member or you're in the middle of losing one. Lord, prepare me. Lord, help me. You can pray for a miracle knowing that God's in charge. He calls the shot. Help me accept whatever you decide, Lord. And help me not to hold the grudge. Help me on myself or you. Bad things happen to people. It's not, you don't take it as a blueprint how you're living your life. Besides the work of the cross and salvation, I think that the comeback may be the greatest benefit we exclusively receive as a Christian. This is not available to anybody else. And it's also available to anybody if you become a Christian. As part of the song perfectly says, I run to the Father. I fall into grace. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend, so I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. And a lot of us run to the Father again or again and again. But not again and again and again and again. And that's the only way we sustain that, that or we keep from piling up. That You pile up, right? You pile up and you blow up. When I was a kid, I, did, I kept everything inside and <laughs> all of a sudden I'd go do something unbelievably and my mom would have to come pick me up from jail. You know, and I couldn't even explain to her why I did it. That's just weird stuff. So the only way to handle pandemics, unruly kids, riots, loss of loved ones, or anything else is to run to the Father again and again and again and again. Without pride, without guilt, understanding that that's our tool, the spiritual comeback. God is giving us manna. And when it runs out, we need to go back to him again. He does, he's not trying to put training wheels on us and get us to go on our own. He wants us to understand that we want to keep those training wheels on all the time. Okay? There's a couple more minutes. I wanted Russ to come and kind of share something that kind of went right up with that. And I thought as this happens, God gave me a message, and it so happened the message lasted 30 minutes, and I wasn't going to add nothing to it. So I asked my brother to help me out. Amen. So if you don't know, Scott and I have been going to the prison for a couple of years now. Yeah, we do miss it. We're the guys that miss prison because we haven't been able to go since COVID. But uh, normally this is how we do it. One of us will lay a foundation. The second one gets to kind of mop up. Um, but uh, so uh, I was praying about it, and the scripture I was thinking about was the parable of the sowers. And uh, if you don't, haven't heard that parable, I'll give you a quick thumbnail sketch. It's uh, when the master leaves, he gives one servant five talents, and he gives another servant two talents, and another servant, the third servant, gets one talent. And the servant with five, he multiplies it, invests it, and he ends up with ten. And the servant with two talents, he invests it, and he comes back with four. But the the servant with one, he didn't invest it. He hid it in the ground, and the Scripture says it's because he assumed that the master would be mad and that the master was unkind and would, would uh, strip him of everything. He didn't have a picture of the father, like what he was talking about. The father heart of God has so much good for us, so much that he wants to give us. And we have to have that right picture. I was, we were talking about that between services, how my father's, the picture of my father was, hey, if you don't get this right, I'm going to beat you down. God's not like that. 
His heart is humble and kind, and he knows you're going to miss stuff. He actually made a way to take care of you missing stuff before you missed it, right? So when I was thinking about specifically this one, the one guy, my thought was, well, why? Oh, not probably to tell you about this. The talents, when I was thinking about this, these are the rough things that we go through in our lives. That God gives us these situations, these troubles. And we can either invest those into godliness, into some way that's going to bring forth God's kingdom. Or we can waste that. We can just let it bury it on the wayside like the guy with one. One of the other reasons I believe that he didn't do it is he thought if he invested it, he might lose it. Right? And not have it to give to this taskmaster. But... You know, when God tells you to invest something, he knows that investments, all investments don't go up, right? Some investments go down, right? He knows that in advance. And so when he said, hey, take this money, invest it, take your talent in this way, whatever the situation you're going through, invest it, it may not come out okay, but God's okay with that. I think the one guy with the one talent would have been far better off in God's eyes if he'd invested it in something that could have brought life to God's kingdom and lost it than just burying it in the ground and having it still give. See, God doesn't want us to waste these times, these troubles, these tribulations. They're, they're here so we can share with other people the love and the life of Jesus Christ and how he can come into our heart and come into our life and change us and make us a vision of what love of God is like in a person's life. That's what the world is need. That's what the world needs. They are hungry and thirsty for that love of Jesus Christ in a real way. You know, it's got to be, it's got to come across as humble. It's got to come across humble, right? Because if we're prideful and saying, you're doing this and you're doing that and you're, you're in sin here, no, no one's going to hear you. That's just going to put up, they're going to put their shields up like the, the, uh, Enterprise, right? Shields up, maximum, right? That's what happens when you start shooting at people. So we got to humbly go to them and, sh- and say, look, we're going through this, but this isn't the end, right? These are the birth pains. These are the things. And I, at no other time in my life as a Christian have I seen so many people thinking Jesus is coming back. You know why? Because Jesus is coming back. And these are the birth pains. These are the signs. It's like when you're on the freeway. I don't know if you see those signs. It would say steak, you know, $9.99. You can eat 275 miles, right? And then 10 miles down the road. Steak, all you can eat, 265 miles. And, you know, by the time you get there, you're like, you want the steak. And that's what's happening in our hearts. That's the groaning we have in us, right? It's like, hey, but we're getting there, right? But while we're here, while we're in the waiting We have to invest those talents in other people. We have to share the love of Jesus. This world is hungry and thirsty. Even though they don't think they are, they are. And the only place they can really be filled and satisfied is with the love of Jesus and having Jesus in their heart. Amen. So let's ask anybody, is everybody here in the waiting? Which, which would mean you're a Christian and you're waiting to be adopted. You're waiting for that redeemed body. You're waiting that these, you're not subject to these things anymore. If you are not in the waiting and you want to be in the waiting, 
mean you want to be a Christian, raise your hand, and I can see you. And if not, we're going to pray anyway across the board now because, Lord, let's pray. I pray that everybody understands that these are tools that the family of God, the church, can use to get closer and closer to you. The more we come to you, the more familiar we get, Lord. The more, the more personable you feel to us, Lord. It's, it's, it's like going to the president if you do it once a year, but it's like going to a father when you do it every day. And I pray everybody here understands that the spiritual comeback is your gift, your right as a Christian. We pray that you understand this and pray that we use it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.